my name is Mo and welcome to the Can't Can Well podcast. I'm a Royal Marine who is dedicated to optimising human performance and want to bring you exposure to the fantastic people supporting the same aim. I had the privilege to speak with a former world boxing champion who went on to work as a Sky Sport boxing pundit and commentator for over 20 years. We talk about his daily struggle with mental ill health, the mindset required to become a champion and the possibility of a comeback as he strives to be better tomorrow than today. Episode 14, Glenn McCrory. I've, I've, had, I've had dramas, you know, myself about three years ago. I had a breakdown. Right. And uh, it came, to use a boxing analogy, actually, it came at me like a right hook. Right. And I was just sat in the office and I didn't, didn't see it coming. It was pretty hardcore. And how, how did it manifest itself? Um, strangely, it was that I never felt I was enough. Right. For anything, right. at all, anything. So, I w- I would take on so much, so much work mm. that I w- I, w- I was like distracting myself quite a lot, and yeah. I didn't realise it. Um, and yeah, it was. Uh, it got to the point where I was that overborne with with mm. stuff that I couldn't I couldn't cope with it, and it was like the tidal wave that just came over. You know, it, that, that sort of, I can, I can sort of appreciate that, you know, because I, it's just, in a way, it, it's, that's a sort, that's a sort of self-harm. Do you know, what you're doing is, 100%. You're, you're giving yourself too much on purpose. Yeah, 100%. You want, it's something in us. It, I do this, I do the same, I do the same thing, you know, take on too much work or, or if, if you know if I you know, I gotta enjoy a normal drink and a meal and I love all that sort of stuff. But if I'm in if my mindset is is bad, then I just you know I do it to the end. You know I just I do it like ridiculous and it's um, all or nothing. Yeah, and it's just and it's it's not there's no enjoyment in it. It's 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 a kind of self destruction, and it's um, and you kind of you know and you know you kind of know you're doing it. And you know, you know, you're, you're giving yourself, or, or if it's giving yourself too much to do, you know, you you know, you're doing it, but you still say you still take it on, and it's. Uh, I've still not found out why, unless unless you know, can you stop yourself from doing that? No, no I. No. No, and 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 I know it's I know it's I know it's so much um, negative for me. But I, you know, and I've done I've, this trade's gone on for thirty years. You know, I put myself in positions. I put, you know, over the years, I put myself in positions to calm myself. You know, um, I, I'd go on holiday with my with my friend, who's in. His, we'd go on holiday, and we'd go to like Mexico, and you know, not to the not to the tourist area of Mexico, to the ghettos. So, you know, we we'd go to Mexico City, and we'd end up we'd end up. You know, we'd we'd end up and the amount of times you're Colombia and play the amount of times you think in what were we doing? What on earth were we doing in that situation? You know, Brazil and the favelas going up for a game of football. And you think like it just took one person just to take take offense and you were dead. 
and you kind of, you know, I mean, for some reason, maybe being a fighter in me, it's, it's a bit of a challenge. You know, I, I sort of want a challenge. But it's, um, you know, you think you've got away with it for, for, for so long and, you know, doing stuff like climbing mountains that, you know, you're totally not equipped for, no training whatsoever. And I went up Manaslu and, you, and you, you know, when you're up there, you're thinking like, I could die any day, any single day, God chooses, I'm dead. Um, you know, thank God he brings you down. But yeah, it's that, it's that same sort of thing that I, I don't know, you know, I've talked to people, there's only, the pandemic has, has done me and um, probably last year, that really that was a because I've had jobs and I've had like a good a good life, you know. And I've travelled and I've sat ringside for big fights and you know lots going on and and that's that's always got me a reason to get up in the morning and do something. And then when that stopped last year, it was just everything was just not worth anything. You know, you look at yourself and think, I, I don't want to be here. Is that because? Is that because the distractions were taken away? Yes, because you'd, 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 there would be something and something fun. If it had been, if it had been hard, that, that mightn't have been a distraction. But if it was fun or a challenge or something, you're, giving, you're constantly giving yourself stuff to do that, that keeps you going, you know, keeps you. And that, that was my, that was how I sort of coped it. That's how I sort of. That's how I sort of managed, but there was no, I couldn't manage. Um, and I, I'm still, I'm struggling now. You know, I struggled the last couple of days. I'm, I'm, um, yeah. I talked to a girl, I talked to a girl two days ago and we talked about all the problems and all the rest of it. And then I went and, then I went and got played four bottles of wine and, you know, also, oh, you know, I did exactly what I didn't want to do. And I'm asking this because I've got my own opinions on the way that I would react. But if you know that's not you, if you know you're going to do it, yeah, why don't you stop? Yeah, no, I don't know. I think I think because at the minute you're alone, and you just you just, and then you start daring yourself. <laughs> terrible. It's terrible, isn't it? I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, but you know, I think that. Sickness. Do you know? Do you know? I think that I would have been very similar this pandemic had I not been, had I not had that experience a few years ago. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is that I'm much better at knowing my strengths and weaknesses now and accepting me. I think. Right. I literally the other day, and I was I was with the kids. And in my head, I'm saying to myself, come on, play with them more, interact with them more. And on the, and in the other side, it's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. It's fine. They're all right. They're all right. And I'm having an argument in my head, like just making a cup of tea and the kids are in the garden. Now, before I, that would have, I would have, that would have played up quite a lot. I'm not enough. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a good enough dad. I should be doing more, 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 more. But now I'm like, I'm, I sort of label that and I go, nah, that's not. That that's just that little little man again on my shoulder talking in my ear, saying that I'm not good enough. And probably if you were stood there watching what had gone on that day, you'd go, you'd say, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You you've been with the kids. You, yeah, you're good, Dad. You see what I mean? Yeah. But I'm, I'm much better at identifying that now. Yeah. But still have my moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm I've got my kids on the weekend, and 
I'm great when that when I've got them. You're that's a that's a stimulation and it's fun and it's and it's it's great. But then it's just when you sit when you buy yourself. When you're by yourself, and you, I've been by myself so much in this pandemic, you know, long hour, you know, days in the house and days and nights and days and nights in the flat, and, and it's just, um, it, it's the worst I've ever been. And I just, you know, I just need to get, I just need to get, need to get out of this, you know, and find find some stimulation and some stuff to do. Um, I was, I was, I have been training, I have been training for a fight with Roy Jones, which, which looked. Um, looked like they were trying to put together, but you know it's not me back a little bit the last couple of weeks because the guy that was putting it on went in a coma with, with COVID, a self and you know an induced coma, and just a young guy as well. So that's you know then you think oh you know it's just you just think it's the story of your life you know it's if it wasn't for if it wasn't for bad luck you wouldn't have any you know and you kind of then and then you get on a bit of a you get on a bit of a downward spiral. You think, you know, bollocks, bollocks. You know, and and that's, you know, that's that's um, that's kind of my problem. So let's. I want to talk a little bit about that actually. So this uh, there seems to be a bit of a, a resurgence or, or in popularity of the Masters boxing scene, mm. and then obviously you know just seeing um, was it Tyson and Jones Junior just fought, didn't they? Yeah. So is that is that something that's gonna we're gonna see more of? Do you think in the uh, in the near future? I'm not sure, Mark. To be honest, I'm um, I'm not sure. I mean, there's talk of it. There's talk of it, and you know, I thought I thought this would this this would be next. Me and Jones would be next, and that would maybe set the roll go the dice going. But I think um, you know, looking into trying to put stuff like that on, it's complicated. You know, it's complicated. To, you know, especially if you're dealing with older people because I need you know I need I need time to get ready it's not it's not like somebody says oh you know what it's back on again we'll do it in three weeks just hold on a minute. <laughs> it's like, that's not gonna happen so I, you're not you're not in a, a constant super fit state you know so you need a number of weeks so it, it takes a it would take a bit of putting on because I, I saw a, um, I saw a program. It was probably a couple of years ago now, where I think it was hosted by Johnny Nelson, and it was the middleweights. And there's definite needles still between Steve Collins and Eubank, definitely. And I could absolutely see that, like if they, if this was something that grew, that yeah. fight could go again because there's there's still no love loss between the two. I mean, how much of that is show, or like not with those two, but is. Or how and how much is actual? How do you know when some when two fighters really don't like each other, and when they're putting it on? It's easy to tell when it's when it's when it's real. But the the, the thing is in boxing, you know, on the whole, you'll probably find boxing the fighters are you know the most easygoing easygoing people out there, you know, and and friendly and. You know, really good guys on the on the whole. But when you when when there's a fight mooted, you then have to find a reason to to want to beat this person up. You know, you've got to have something that stokes you up a little bit. So um, so you, you kind of you want to dislike them, and then you know it's like starting a fight. You know, you you then say something to them because you want a reaction back, so that motivate you to get more angry. So you're trying to give you give yourself fuel for the fire, and um. 
you know, so that's that's how it works. I've got a bit of a I've had a bad chest for the last couple of days. It's all right. You know, so, when, when you get everything at the minute, you panic on you. As soon as you get, you know, this time of year now, you'd say, you'd say, um, oh, mate, I've got a bit, I'm a bit chesty. I've got a bit, um, a bit cold. But straight away, you're thinking, I've got the pandemic. I'm now. Got, <laughs> you know, the minute you've got a, you know, you've got a cough or a breather or anything like that, you're like, oh, no, I, I can't go anywhere. I can't see anybody. I can't. Do you know what I mean? It's, God, it's a nightmare. Yeah, no, you're right, mate. You're right. So, mate, going back to that that point where you said about having having needle and and trying to have something that you to help you motivate you against against another fighter. So, does that is that not is winning just not enough then at, at the elite level? No, I think you need you need to you need to get a you need to get a proper dislike of something. You need to really rally yourself. But when I fought for the world title. They stood up for a guy called Parrot Lamumba, and they took pictures of him everywhere. You know the 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 camp uh, everywhere. You know if I lifted the toilet seat up, there was a picture of him. If I went in my bedroom, there was a picture. If I opened my blankets up, there was a picture of him. And it was you know it was it was sort of at first it was a laugh, and then at the end you know you're ripping them up and you're throwing these pictures and you're pulling them off the toilet, off the toilet lid and all that sort of stuff. You know so it's it's whatever. You know, whatever you can do to get that sort of, to get that feeling of, you know, even even if you're sparring, you know, I'd, I'd spar, I'd spar with my brothers. And, you know, but if they caught me, if they caught me with a good shot, the next minute you, you're trying to knock them out. You know, you your own flesh and blood, you know, it's, 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 that, it's that instinct in us, isn't it? It's that, I'm sure in combat, you know, it's, you know, what, what motivates, what would motivate in combat, when you know, surely you'll, you'll think and say, "Well, the guy, you know, they've done nothing to me. They've done, you know, they've done nothing to me." How do you then? How do you then motivate yourself to try and kill them? Do you know it's um, it's a really interesting comment you made made because it, it jogs my memory of a guy called um, I was having a, I was having a chat with a guy called Baz O'Connell, um, who was a former Royal Marine who um, who's got a boxing gym in Hammersmith, State of Mind Fitness. And he's he was in the corner for George Groves for a couple of title fights, and you know he's he's, he's worked his way up as a number two, um, and he's looking at doing a number one now. Really good good lad. And I was talking to him about professional boxing. We're talking about um, about that um, sort of ethos and culture, and he said, "Mate, it's not the same as as the Marines." So, in answer to your question, what motivates us is our ethos and culture. Um, it's having like-minded individuals that you can absolutely wholeheartedly rely on at any given moment, whether it be a time of peace or time of war. And those blokes that you might not speak to for five years, six years, you could call them in a heartbeat. They'd be there for you if you needed, needed them. That, that's, that's the, the loyalty, the, um, the brotherhood that, that, we, that that's what we would fight for. I've got a friend, Rick Clement, who's um, lost um, both legs in Afghanistan. And you know he's been phoning me up. He's he's been phoning me up to see how I am. You know, and he, I mean he's got regular surgery and this that, and the other. And, and you know the guys the guys so upbeat. You know so so much. You know he's so motivational to me. You know no I know I've got somebody there that you know and he's a fighting man. You know he's he's obviously a soldier. You know but he under I've got somebody there that 
that's someone that I, I know would understand if I phone up and say, Rick, I kind of cook, you know? Yeah. And I suppose, so what it comes down to is for us, winning is about fighting for each other. It's mm. about fighting for who we're with um, and making sure that our professional standards and diligent our diligence are as high as they possibly can be at any given moment because we otherwise would let our, our, our teammates down. And so the win comes from the like being greater than some of your parts. So everyone doing that, and you, and everyone strives to be excellent or as best as they can be. That then drives a standard, and and that's what you know. And collectively, that's that's the way we go. And so when I was speaking to him about boxing, and he said that's not how boxing is. I said, "What do you mean?" He said that it's not like that at all. He said the the, the glitz and glamour that you see on the telly is, is. He said it's just not like that behind the scenes. He said it's really ruthless and cutthroat. Yeah. And I said, so what about like the fighters team? Surely the team that he's got around him is would be. And he said it doesn't work like that all the time. The t- like it's 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 all very sometimes it's it's very contractual. It's very um, transactional relationships in in boxing. And I was like, what? Yeah. That doesn't that in any in any walk of and sport, any walk of life, an elite performance to have a stable, solid team around you that you can wholeheartedly trust at any given moment, surely he's got to underpin um, whether a performance or not. Is, is there any truth in that? Or Well, my, my, you know, my, my experience in the boxing world with, with team and managers is, is awful. And, and, you know, and really where you were just a piece of meat. You know, you were just, you know, you were just there. You were there when they needed you, if if it worked, and then you're onto the next one. You know, just go on onto the next one when it didn't work. The, you know, my last my world title when I lost the world title. My my manager, he was an American, and he just he just cut out. You know, knew I was going to lose, but still went through the with the fight for me. Knew I couldn't make the weight, but still. Put me through that fight in a possible life or death situation, dehydrated, and then skedaddled with the money. I never saw him again. Literally as clean cut as that. Clean cut, just gone. Twenty-five years of age I was, so it was. Um, you know, I had a, I had a full. I had the best part of my career ahead of me. So, so for me, you know, I'm the business of boxing. I hate. I hate because it literally is, and you know you see it. You see it all the time. You know, there's no real, there's nothing set up for the kids. You know, once they lose, and you know, some the, the trauma is is often quite big of of losing. I had to because of he left. I then got a tax bill that didn't. I, you know, I, I hadn't earned the money, and I got a tax bill, and I had to come back. You know, I'd be tired. I hate, but I did hate box. Didn't want to fight again. And I had to come back. And the only way I'd get the money was to challenge Lennox Lewis in heavyweight. And it was, it was yeah, and it was it was one of those where you think, go on, I'm a fighter, you know, I'll, I'll fight anybody. You know, I'm scared of nobody, I'll fight anybody. But you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to fight Lennox, you know what I mean? I knew he was on the way up, and I, I'd have to be at my very, 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 very best to even even stay with him. And um, and I wasn't, you know, it was just, it was simply just, I needed the money. Uh, and so I went through, I went through with that fight. But the, the after effects of that, 
have have lived with me to this day. You know the fact that you had to go and embarrass yourself and 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 you know physically get beat up and you know I still and I still have trauma about that to this day. I still have I still have recurrent nightmares about getting a thing not ready. And it's always it's always with Lennox and you know so. When you so, say when you say when you say trauma, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? As in from the embarrassment or what? What, what was it? I, I mean, you, you kind of you kind of wash it away and think you know I got beat fair enough. But I did a hypnotherapy session with with a, a gentleman um, who works he's based at Catterick Army Camp, and he put me through a hypnotherapy thing just recently. And he did. He said he said to me, "I'm going to do a session." You'll know, help me with my mental health, and we're doing a session. And he said, um, "Right, I want to work on the Lewis fight." And I'm what? I want you know the the post traumatic stress that you had from Lennox because that's obviously with you. And I'm like, "Is it?" So he did this exercise to to do the memory from the hotel to the to the fight and then back home. You know that one night, that whole night, and sort of run it in your mind. And you've got you're sitting at a cinema screen and you watch it on the on the screen. And then you speed it up and speed it up. And then in the end, it, it, it's that quick. It's it's gone from being in a comfortable place in the hotel to being back home. You you eradicated the memory. And then he said, he said, go go in, go back in the cinema now. And there you are sitting there. And so it's me as a 26, 26 year old. And he said, go and sit next to him. Give yourself a cut. He said, give him. And you know how emotional it got because I could see myself. I could see myself as that young man who had to do that. You know who had to. And nobody, nobody said, "Well done, Glenn." You know what I mean? You're okay. Nobody sort of gave me, a, you know, a cuddle and said, "Listen." And I, I started to cry. I started to cry. You know, because I could see myself and I could, I could see that I was still suffering from having to do that. It, it might, it might sound. It might sound a bit weird, but you know, just when you look back at yourself and you see that you know you were just a you were just a kid and you were put in a situation by yourself, you know, you had the responsibility to do it. It was just all by yourself. Nobody took the punches. Nobody took the humiliation. Nobody took any of that. Just me. And you know, it was a, it was a really good it was a really good thing to do. Um, I mean, he's 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 very good, um, and and you know, it just made me realize that that that's something that you should look into, um, and you probably do with with, with the, the the veterans, you know, to try and get sessions like that. Because one of the things he said, you know, why this, why my why my problem has lasted, you know, my brother died, and what, you know, why that's lasted for thirty years. And he said, "Well, you know, what have you what have you talked about much?" I said, "You know, I've talked. You know, they, they made a play about me and my brother called Carrie and David. They've done a documentary. There's a film, and I've I've went over this the last ten years. I've been doing a film, putting a script together for the last ten years called Carrie and David. And I, the amount of times I've told that story, and he says, "Well, every time you tell the story, you just relive it. You just bring it back, so it's never gone." And I was like. That's exactly right. Why is it? Why is it? How's it never gone? How's how's that memory never, never gone? And what? So what do you do? What do you do with 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 soldiers that's gone through far, 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 far 
you know, more horrible things than than I've been through. Um, you know, with their post traumatic stress, how what what sort of treatment is there there for the military? Well, what I'd say before I answer that is that it's not comparable. It's no. it's different, and so your experiences, and I think it's important to to clarify as well, mate, because your experiences, my experiences, someone else's experiences. I've all got different, we've all got, we're all different. We've all got different levels of capacity, resilience, predispositions. There's a whole myriad of, of, um, of variables that will make the same situation or exposure affect us in different ways. Yeah. So it's not, it's not comparable, mate. You know, you, how many people watch that Lewis fight? Yeah, no, I know. And, I mean, like, and, and so, so straight away, no one watches us when we're on ops, like, 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 do you see what I mean? It's, it's completely different. So, um, but in terms of like the support, I mean, it, it's, it's much better than where it was. So probably around about 10 years ago, um, in, you know, in the height of Afghanistan, we didn't really, and say we as the military didn't really know too much about mental ill health. Although, that we have, we absolutely do employ specialists to to treat mental illness without question. They know clearly a lot about about the subject, but I'm talking about wider population of of the military. Um, and it was something that that was overlooked probably by the wider military. Um, again, not the specialists because I, I will never discredit those that those people. They do an absolutely fantastic job, always have done, and will continue to do. But it was because, probably because the amputations, gunshot wounds, blast injuries that were unfortunately a, um, an ever-present were dominating much resource and time because we weren't set up for that either. And so prosthesis development quickly in a, in a, in a fairly short space of time be, you know, was, was developed at a fast rate of knots to be able to cope with the the levels and severity of amputations that we that we were receiving back from the theater of war. I mean, at one time, Camp Bastion, which was the central camp that you would fly into before you went around Afghanistan, that was the busiest trauma unit in the world. You know, there was people flying out there to get experience because of the because of the frequency and the intensity of the fighting was was and this wasn't just British troops. This was American. This was Danish. This was Estonian. You know, these are other countries that were coming through there. I mean, it was it was it was hot, you know. And so, in terms of psychological health, people that sort of came as a secondary because you can see someone without a limb. You can see someone with you know with a, with a with a visual injury, but you can't see someone that's a psychological injury. And, and you know, I think we're quite good at being social chameleons. You know, I'm pretty sure that there's there's been times throughout the past twelve months, as you've as you've alluded to, where you know people would think, "Oh, Glenn's all right," but no one sees you because you're in your flat. And the only time that you will see someone is when you're ready to maybe go on video or whether you're pick the phone up, and that's when you're all right, but not the other bits. You know, so. We, so in terms of provision, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's got much better. There's still a lot of work we can do. Um, and I'll never say it's perfect because and I don't think it ever will be perfect because everyone, there's so many variables out there and one size doesn't fit all and it shouldn't do. Um, but we always strive to be better, better than what we are. And, and we, keep, we keep evolving and we keep moving forward. And 
the right people in the right jobs are making uh, much more of a difference, which is which is great. Um, but when when we're by no means a finished article by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I hope, I'll have to meet with you because I've been down um, to Limestone um, many times. You told me I come down and help them every year train you know for the championship the boxing yeah yeah no definitely i mean i was at the i was at the sportsman's dinner when he came down and the okay. lads the lads were expecting uh some boxing dip but you you um you uh told a story about kilimanjaro do you want to do you want to um just just relive that story for us because i found it really interesting because it was completely out of no one was expecting that's what you were going to say everyone's obviously expecting you to talk about boxing but that's not what happened because Kilimanjaro is quite a profound moment for you, wasn't it? Kilimanjaro was was amazing because I got asked to do it. Off a, a, a guy phoned me up out of the blue and Garon Williams, um, lovely kid. He, he said, "Then um, you know, I'm a boxing fan, blah blah blah. And, you know, have you ever thought about climbing? Climbing? I thought, you know, we we all we all have adventure spirits and think about you know climbing Everest and all of this sort of stuff. But you know, never I never thought about it. You know, I've never actually been out and Done any of it? He said, "Would you do Kilimanjaro and get it paid for, and this and the other, and you know, we'll do it for charity?" And and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And and so we had this conversation over a few weeks, and then and then he said, um, "You know, tell me about your brother." And I said, "Oh, my brother David had, um, you know, he had Friedrich's attacks here, and you know, it was, it was a real struggle watching him, watching him die daily. You know, watching him, you know, you know, trying to keep him alive every time he choked, and all. it was a real, it was a real." traumatic experience you know it was wonderful and you know and eventually you know he did pass and he said well I've got Friedrich's attacks here as well I was like what <laughs> I thought we we're climbing a mountain and now my brother you know my brother was was fairly severely disabled and I'm, I'm you know and he said well you know I'm not as I'm not as bad as David you know things have moved on a little bit with treatment and that sort of stuff and I'm wow so um so we went we went and it was it was profound because it was to get to get you know the struggle to get Garant up there um, and the the people that come together to to help um, you know the guys the guys over there um, the Africans that 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 helped the guides were were amazing and you know just everything they did it, it was an absolutely just one of the one of the most magical moments in my life and, and you know to get to the top with with Garant in a wheelchair and to see what he did on a daily basis you know and it was a wheelchair where you know he worked it himself um and Kilimanjaro is is it's great you know but it's it's not a walk in the park you know I mean it's it's still people still can die up there and it's still it's still pretty dangerous but it was it was it was monumental um and I, I don't think I to be moved so much when we we all got to the summit was just absolutely out of this world. And just to see, you know, to see someone like Garant, to see his effort, his his bravery, um, was really quite humbling. You know, it was really quite quite humbling. So, how, how many years ago was that? It's just about three years. And then on the on the on the way down. Two and a half years and on the way down, I got asked if I'd climb Everest. And I, you know, and this is this is my sort of, um, you know, me when I when I 
when I hit the button, you know, I hit the button for like, yo, here's a chance to kill myself. And, you know, yeah, I'll climb Everest. And then they said, well, you've got to do it, you know, you can't just climb Everest. You know, you've got to have some experience. You can't just, you know, Kilimanjaro is still a trek. It's not a mountain. So they said, climb, um, climb Manaslu with um, um, with the special forces um, for his name now. Um, great climber. Come back with, but um, so um, Nims, sorry Nims, <laughs> Nims. So came up with Nims, who's part of his world record attempt. So so we did Manaslu, which is one of the most dangerous mountains in the world, and it was again, it was just another life changing moment. And at the top in camp camp four, at the top, I'm standing there, oxygen on, just below the summit, and a lady with a stand with a sherpa from the next tent starts making noises and <laughs> I don't think this is funny. So I started taping her. She just keeled over and died, just right in front of me. Just uh, it was, it was. You know, I put my phone down, thinking, "Oh my, I've got it's still on my phone. I haven't raised it; it's still on my phone." But, but you know, stuff like that is super, super dangerous. But again, it was one of those things where I kind of put myself. And this is going back to the mental health thing. Put myself in harm's way. You know, didn't. Didn't really bother training, didn't bother, you know, had no rope experience whatsoever. And it's all ropes and uh, didn't have half the equipment that I should have had. You know, I've got like a, I've got a sleeping bag for for 12 degrees when it went down to minus 40. You know, so it's not, <laughs> uh, getting, getting put more clothes on to go to bed because you're freezing to death. Um, but again, that it was again. It was it was it was. It turned out to be a monumental experience. It turned out to be to see the Sherpas and see the people living in the Himalayas and see the young kids carrying you know massive packs on the back on a daily basis. Just you know, and the, the thing I remember the, the most, which was was in the biggest hardship, you find the kids with the biggest smiles. You know, it was the same in Africa. It was the same in uh, in in the, um, Nepal. The biggest hardship, and you know, coming down Kilimanjaro, one of the one of the one of the guys um, in the camp that were looking after us, he had he had training shoes on, and we're coming down, we're coming down uh, an ash, you know, down the side of a volcano, and we're coming down an ash, and it's like that, you know, and we're coming down. He's just laughing, and he's got the biggest pack. The biggest pack on his head, and he's he's, he's training to the soles of his boots flapping on the and I'm like, oh, gee. I give him my boots at the, at the end, but um, just great characters. So, so that's the thing about having so many uplifting things in my life. For some reason, you know, I'm religious. God's with the hardship also gives you some great moments. Uh, and, and the the worst thing about pan, the pandemic is there's been nothing. Do you know, what I mean, it's great when I'm coming down, going to the training with the army, and you know, I have a very um, a very fulfilled life. You know, when I've been sitting ringside, traveling, you know, 27 years with Sky Sports, traveling the world. Um, last year, the beginning of the year, I thought, what a great year this is going to be. We spent my my February was. The the um, Fury fight, Fury um, Jonty Wilder fight, and then uh, a weekend away with Tommy and the Royal Marines. 
in Berlin. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> which, which was psychologically, psychologically well, I, I, I wasn't ready for. <laughs> I heard that you won, though, that weekend out of 50 blokes, that you were the winner. <laughs> That's what Tommy said. Did he? Yeah, he uh, said you were hands down the winner. Right. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, it was great, you know. So so we started off the year thinking, what, you know, it's amazing how things change. You think, what a great year. You know, I had that fabulous from Las Vegas to Berlin, and great, great fun. Then, boom, the world just stopped. Yeah, it did. I just stopped. It's then all these restrictions and you can't, you can't go and see your mum. You, you know, this, I mean, this is, this is, you know, when you think what people's gone through over this last, you can't say goodbye to a loved one. Mm. You know, I mean, I've been at funerals, you know, and you're standing halfway down the road seeing people that you've known all your life, you know, and you, you can't, you can't touch the coffin. You can't go and commiserate their family. It's been, it's, it's, you know, it's, and we're all in it together, and we've all had the same. We've all had the same stuff. But for anybody with with anybody with you know with these problems with the darkness close by, you know, I think I think the fallout the fallout from this is going to be it's going to be felt for a long, long time to come. So my my theory is when you talk about darkness, my theory is this: I think everyone has got darkness, generally. And you, you can look at the most motivated individuals. I mean, to use a boxing, um, a boxing um, individual icon, really, it's Tyson Fury. You know, for him to have done what he's done with the problems that he's had is incredible and genuinely inspirational. Like, and I'd love to meet him to shake his hand, say thank you for being so open and honest. Because, you know, how he, you know, he's a character anyway, isn't he? But how he's... How he's done what he's done is is tr truly remarkable, but I don't think that's uncommon in the not not that he's being a world champion is uncommon, but having darkness, I don't think it's uncommon. I think everyone to some extent has darkness in some way, shape, or form, definitely. And it's and I and I think there's there is a some people are predispositioned to be able to deal with it better than others, and some people aren't. Um, and and as I said before, a whole host of other variables. But we're also very clever about not realizing when we've got the darkness and being able to cover it with other stuff. So we fill it, fill the day with with all sorts. We're, we're, there's no time where you just sit down to yourself, none, and that's not healthy either. And I and there's an interesting um, on Instagram not long ago. I read the difference between. The difference between being selfish and and having something called self care, and when you talk about self care, a bunch of you know load of roughy tufty raw marines are like yeah whatever you know, but the difference is that self self care is about looking after yourself, taking time for yourself to be good for others. Being selfish is basically just looking after yourself with irrelevant of of others. Uh, and I, I think that we often miss understand the two terms and we cover we cover up our lives with so much stuff that when what this pandemic's done is stopped all that stuff and now we've got to actually look at ourselves in the mirror and now we're now you know now the 
what we're seeing in the reflection back is actually what we're seeing because there's been nothing, everything stopped other than Netflix, which I think I've completed about three times. You know, it's like everything stopped. And now what you see in the mirror is, is who you are. There's no, it's stripped bare. And, and that's where I think that, that where we we've, you know, compounded by the fact of not being able to say goodbye to loved ones, um, et cetera. I think that's where we've, we've, we've uh, sort of hit, hit, a, hit a crossroads. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure whether that's a good or bad thing. And the reason why I say I don't, th- I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, not in all situations or, or you know, I'll, I'll caveat it with that. But sometimes I think we need to deal with the source of a problem, not the consequence. And if you're constantly dealing with the consequences, the, 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 the source is never, never, never dealt with. Yeah. And maybe this is an opportunity for people to deal with the source of, yeah. of issues. Well, for 30 years, with the problems that came with my brother, and I've got, you know, six other uh, brothers and sisters who have all, you know, lovely parents. Um, my dad's um, deceased now, but, but lovely parents, they've all got issues. And you come from a little village. My mum and dad um, fostered and adopted David, who then turned out to be disabled and that, and that that's affected every one of us. Every one of us have been in bad relationships. Every one of us, you can't really cope. Um, so it's not just me, but I'd never I'd never talked about it. I'd never mentioned it. It was one of those things, you know. You didn't you didn't talk about weakness. Um, you know, you're a tough boxer and a world champion, so you know you never talk about you know how you you cry yourself to sleep at nights on on certain nights and you don't know why you know you don't talk about stuff like that you don't talk about you know not wanting to go on and you know doing a you know wishing you wishing you were dead you, you don't talk about them sort of things so it's only so in a way the, the things that's happened recently to make to make people start to talk about it is also is also helpful in a way because you can sort of say listen i'm you know I'm not the tough guy. I'm not. The t- you know, I'm not the tough guy that you think I am. Um, and I think that helps other. That helps other people. I think. Well, I think there's a difference between something being um, hard to do, which is talking, talking, um, and and beneficial. So, so you, it can be beneficial, but be really hard. So, in in a lot of situations, there will be people where this pandemic has stripped them bare. And that's beneficial because now the hard work starts and the opportunity to be able to deal with, you know, to deal with what other problems they've had, um, which might, might well be, you know, did the pandemic cause issues or what did it just reveal what was already there? And that's the question I suppose we're going to, we're going to end up finding out in the next sort of like two to two to three years. Well, I, I definitely think in my case, it, it, it revealed them, you know, it finally, it finally I had to, you know, begin the year I had that you know, go to mental service, mental health services and, and ask for help, um, you know, go to alcohol services and just say, you know, this is, this, this, you know, this is not, not right. I'm, you know, I'm, um, I'm struggling. And, and doing that, doing that, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't done a great deal. I've got a lot of people to deal with and the mental health service as quick as they can go, you know, say, I filled the form in and, you know, one week it was it was all doom and gloom and horrible, and the next week it was 
you know, I felt great. You know, I was training and, you know, I had something to, to aspire to and, and I was, and all the questions, you know, and that's, and literally that's how much you can change from black to white. They were like, oh, this is the best scores I've, best scores I've ever seen. But then a week later, you know, they said, okay, we've got to withdraw you now. You know, the week later, you're back to square one. And that's, that's how easy, you know, I don't know what it's like for yourself, but that's how easy I can go from, from black to white. And white, it can, it can be one, one situation, one thing somebody says, one thing that happens in my life, and then you're just on the, you know, you're back in the dark, and it's. I, I I agree with you. I mean, it'd be it'd be really interesting for you actually. Um, I did a did a podcast with a woman called Pam Diamonds. She's she's on um, on the link that I sent you, um, and she's a addiction specialist. And she's got a, an incredible story herself to tell. And like I, I mean, I was listening to her, and she'd, <laughs> I, I edited it out, but I'd be listening to her. She'll finish what she's saying, and I'd be, oh, sorry, because I was so transfixed in what she was saying. I was just, I was, I, I could, wasn't thinking of the next questions. Um, but it's worth having a listen. Um, Pam Diamond, the name is, yeah, incredible. I, incredible I am, I am quite come to terms with the, that, like that whole addiction thing, because I'd be addicted to every everything you know it's just in, in my mind you know if I, if I start buying shoes I buy 10 pairs if I start you know uh, I buy the same suit you know I just it's it's everything you know if if I if if I want to if I don't want to drink I can just not drink you know it's not it's not like any hold I can do it it's on or off yeah if, if I buy sweets you know if I buy you know I get the kids I buy sweets I buy tons of them you know, I, and, and, and I can't stop eating them. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of anything is, you know, so it's, um, it's very difficult to sort of say, you know, if you just thought, if you just thought you had a problem with alcohol and I, there is a problem, but if you just thought you had a problem with alcohol, you know, just say, right, we'll get treatment and we'll stop and everything. But then you can be quite normal with alcohol and you'd be quite, you know, and everything's, you know. Mate, have a, have a, if you, you've got the time, have a listen. It's really interesting stuff. She's, it's she's. Cool. Pam Diamond. Right. She's an incredible, incredible woman. She's well known in our circles as well. She, yeah, she's incredible. So yeah, have a, have a listen, mate. Have a listen yeah. I'd like to talk a bit about this movie that you, or this, this script that you've been writing. Um, and you said it was a, uh, it's Brother David, it's called, is that right? Carrie and David. Carrie and David, that's right. So what, so inspiration, I take it was from, from your brother. I, I, I've always had a, you know, I've, I've acted on, on stage and I've been in film and stuff like that. So I've always had a, a fascination with characters, and, you know, with the actors and boxers and all that sort of stuff. So um, so I've, I've sort of liked scripts and doing that sort of stuff. So uh, I, I had a script about a, a famous fighter that I took down the, and I spoke to a, a journalist about it and he said, oh, you need to come and see my friend. He's the, the head of Paramount or whatever um, it was. It's, it's I'm going by it. A long while now, and um, I said, "Great!" I went down to see him. I, I sort of sold him the, the 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 pitch. Did the pitch to him. And he said, "You know, that's great. That's great. Give us, you know, do a do a draft. Do a do a um, a synopsis draft." And I was like, "Okay." He said, "But you know what? You've got to tell me, you know, why why are you doing this script? Your story's better than that." And I'm like, "Eh, my story. <laughs> what's what's my story?" And I don't know how he knew that, you know, he said about your brother and about the fight you had, the periods. 
had for you to, to become world champion, how he was such an inspiration and you carried him to school and, and all this sort of stuff. And, I, and so on the train on the way back, I thought, yeah, carrying David. And, and this still is with, this, this is still with the mental health stuff because David's sort of always with me, you know, he's, he's in a way it's, it's, in a way it's sort of nice, but in a way it's bad because it's, it's also like that, that, that cloud is there and it never sort of go. So, um, so I wrote a script and it got, it got picked up and um, I've got the poster on, on the wall. And Tom Hardy, who wasn't, who was not the name Tom Hardy at, at that at the present time, um, signed up to to play the to play me. Um, we went and had dinner with Tom and all that, and it was it was wonderful. You know, it was it was great. I thought fantastic. And then and then you know they didn't get the money. We we went to the US to to speak the studio and all that, and it didn't. It just didn't happen. Didn't happen for one reason. Tom went off and did another the fighter or whatever and became a superstar um but that did, it didn't happen then so um the script then went to somebody else and and that's where it is at the minute it's with um another company and um and it, it just hasn't happened but there was a um they then somebody got the idea and said well, i want to do a, a theater play um which is on in september at the canal calf in london it's called carrie and david it's a one-man play, um, absolutely. Uh, Mickey, Mickey, who plays the part, is is a brilliant actor, um, and and so it's, it's worth seeing. And that's going on tour. And then there's somebody's just done a documentary, and there's a fabulous documentary called 300 Yards from Home." So we're kind of getting there. It took a long time, um, and the only thing yet to go is is the movie. But it's um, it's sort of getting there. And the 300, um, 300 yards from home is it's been previewed. It's on at a film festival at the minute, um, and he's done an unbelievable job with that. So it's um, yeah. So hopefully, fingers crossed, Kerry and David will see the will see the light of, light of day. Um, I'd love to think we could get the story of you know, and it's not it's not it's my story. It's me and my brother because his fight. His fight was far, he, and he ended up being there ringside on on the night. Um, his fight was far bigger than mine, and you'll understand that because you, you you come across so many special special men and women that that have put you know put their life on the line, you know, for us. And you know, just like Rick, you know, who goes about he's, he's you know with no legs, you know, he paid a massive 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 sacrifice, and yet. You know he's upbeat and he's he's a source of inspiration. So um, yes, so uh, hope hopefully hopefully we get it. We get Curry and David over the line. Well, I, I hope so too. And I think it you know from what I've read and and heard about it, it'd be pretty pretty fantastic and special to to see, especially with your passion and devotion in that in that area. You know, it'll it'll um, certainly come across on the screen. So fingers crossed for it that it, um, someone snaps it up and turns it from a piece of paper into reality. Yeah, I hope so, Mo. I hope so. We're getting there. The story's getting there. Mate, your world title, when you, the, the night you won the world title, it wasn't necessarily in the most um, world title of venues, was it? Or that, like in terms of, you know, we're not talking Wembley or, or a stadium, are we? No, no, that's pretty much, do you know what? It's pretty much like the whole of my career was a bit of a, 
was was a bit of a was crap. <laughs> so, so, so explain the details surrounding that because you're 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 in your local town, weren't you? Yeah, it was um, three hundred yards from home. I literally walked up that night with my bag on my shoulder from my house up to the the venue. And the, the weirdest thing, Mo, was, and this sort of puts the understanding of, of, of what how big it was was. I was walking up the street, Stanley County Durham, little mining village, and I'm walking up there, and I'm looking around. I'm seeing um, limos and people in dinner jackets with cameras and all of it. And, and I swear to God, I went, "What the hell's happening in Stanley tonight?" I, I, I hadn't even comprehended that this is what you know it was live on ITV. And Dickie Davis at the end of the broadcast says, "Wait, well, that's it from Stanley Glen McCrory's done the remarkable, and he's won." He's won the world title against all the odds, 300 yards from home. Next week, we're in Las Vegas, where Sugar Ray Leonard fights Tommy Hurts. <laughs> and that, with that, you know, it was like, when has Stanley ever been mentioned in the same sentence? How did that end up happening like that? It, it happened because Pirate Lumumba was, uh, was not the... Was not the um, you know, had no popularity. He was a very, very good... Kenyan, who, who done most of his amateur career in Sweden, then been picked up by Don King and had moved to Las Vegas. But he wasn't, a, you know, he was a surly, um, not a very likable sort of guy. So, you know, fan-wise, although he was a real talent, fan-wise, you know, there was none. So to get him a world title, they, they were prepared to go and, you know, go wherever and just pick the title up and, and come back. So... So that was it, you know. That was the, you know, he was the favorite, and that was that was all that was his plan to do that. It was then mooted about in the northeast, but we didn't have any venues. You know, the, like even Newcastle didn't have a sort of venue of any size at the time. So the local council, which is probably the first time it would ever happen, a Labour council just after we've lost everything. You know, we're in, we're in the Thatcher. Era when you know lost the steel company, lost the mines, lost everything, and so it was in a real. It was the, it was the number one unemployment black spot in the whole of Great Britain. Was this place called Derwentside? You know, my, in Carrigan. So, so the local council thought, you know, we need had a great idea of one of our own is is doing the unbelievable. You know, fighting for the world title, the first world title fight ever in the northeast. So they they did they put an outlandish bid in uh, to win the fight and brought it to the local um, leisure centre which had just been built now the good thing about you know I don't know what the official numbers were I don't know what they were supposed to be but if the local council's putting the fight on <laughs> you know they, they so they they literally did everything they could to make it they crammed thousands in there and you know they took off doors they for virus they did everything and, it, and if you watch it on YouTube, it looks like it could be Madison Square Garden. You know, it looks, I mean, and the crowd was, the crowd was just unbelievable. You know, it, it was, you know, whatever it was, 3,000, you know, it was like St. James's Park in there. You've never, the noise, it was spectacular. Ian Dark, who commentates, and, you know, one of the great commentators, I mean, he was commentating for the BBC, still says, now, me and him were together for 20 years doing the big fights in Vegas, and although he still says to this day that was one of the best atmospheres he's ever been in. And it was it was literally because you know it never happened before. 
everybody crammed in. And, and I, although I didn't realize, but I didn't realize the scenario that, you know, Parliament was just here to pick up the title. You know, I didn't realize that, you know, and I was training really hard and I got my first chance at a training camp, some porter cabins in, in a hotel nearby, which, which I'd never had a training camp for, for any fights. You know, it was literally, you know, you got a phone call a week before, whatever, and, and, and you were there. So this time I trained like a, like a pro professional and I was in great shape. And then on the morning of the fight, I went to get, I went in the hotel to get my breakfast and I picked the paper up and the, the headlines on the back page were Glenn's a goner. And it was, you know, and the realization then came that it all sort of fitted in. You know, this was just a little, a little village in the northeast where you're in nobody's special, where you know somebody was coming to John King's fight who was coming to take the title. And it was, it was then that I thought it all slotted in, like you know, I'm not going to win this. You know, this is not meant for me to win. And it was the first time in my life I sort of really looked inside myself and said, um, well, how much do you want it? So if you're going to get, how much do you want it? I remember thinking I'll die for it. And it was a weird, it was the weirdest moment because it was just the sunshine on a June 3rd morning. And I'm just sitting by myself. I took a little walk and I think, well, how much do you want it? You know, how much do you want it? And I thought, I'll die for this. And it was like a light bulb went off. And it was like, you're going to win this. He's not prepared to die for it. You know, he's coming over here, you know, like it's a, a holiday to pick a belt up. He's not prepared to go where you're prepared to go. And I, and I knew then, I knew then I was going to win the fight. And the, the people in, in my camp didn't seem to think I was because the, the mood in the dressing room was was dire. Um, you know, it was all depressed. And, and, and you know, so, it, you know, everybody kind of disappeared, the coaches and that. And um, the manager, and there was a priest and uh, my friend, a journalist, and, and it honestly felt like you're sitting there ready to go to the electric chair. You know, there's just a priest standing there, a priest I didn't know because my, my priest had died and, and this journalist taken writing his story out. And they said, the, the coach come by in the manager and they said, right, it's time to go. And I walked out into the, to the, out of the room, out of the, which was a squash court, the dressing room, into the corridor. And the noise hit me like a jumbo jet. Honestly, you have never... Heard anything like it in your life? It was like McCrory, McCrory, and it just hit. And I was like, I remember then thinking, God, nobody's told this lot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose. <laughs> nobody's read the script to to this lot, and it ah, it's amazing how how something can fill you, fill you up. You know, it just seemed like uh, you know Superman had Superman had been exposed then. We can imagine if that that's what the effect on you or it had on you. Can you imagine the effect it had on him, the negative effect? Exactly, exactly. So it was it was it was really a case of it was a tough fight, and you know my brother wasn't supposed David wasn't supposed to be there because my mum was nervous about about the fight. So you know that he he was sick that he he couldn't go because she looked after him. So um, but the police. And I don't know how they knew because she went to my auntie's house. She wasn't at home. She went, man, the police came with the sirens on and picked them up and brought them to the venue, you know, halfway through the fight. And just as it was getting really hard, David was, I saw him, I looked over and he's ringside just near my corner and he's punched in the air and he's all animated. And then, so it was kind of like, you know, for once in a lifetime, 
you know, when things had always never gone right and everything had been tough and, you know, our childhood had been tough and, you know, we never had any money and, you know, all that sort of stuff. All of a sudden, everything aligned one night. Everything just got into place to, to, to make the, the, you know, the greatest night, the greatest night of my life. And nothing was, you know, I went to bed and that was the greatest night of my life. And I woke up the next morning and it was the worst morning of my life because I had nothing else to conquer. I had nothing else to do. This is all, this is all me and my brother had you know, talked about, trained for, went through everything for. I'd never prepared to defend it. I'd only, I'd only ever thought about, about getting there. About, you know, I've been told since I was a kid, you know, nobody wins a world title. Nobody's ever won a world title from the northeast of England. It's never been done. And then you do it, you know, you climb Everest and there's no, there's nothing left to conquer. And it was, um, and, and it was, so it was a, it was a massive, it was a massive, massive, it was a bottomless pit. It, and the sounds, you know, after such a great, such a great moment, you know, and, and that's, that to me is, is the mental coaching. So I had never been coached mentally. I'd never been coached off anybody, you know, the people around me, the coaches or whoever I was involved with, had never talked about, never talked about winning the world title, never mind defending it and anything like that. So I'd never been programmed. And I think that's why, you know, you do need to train the mind. You, you know, and it's so important. You need to tell, you know, if, if, you, if I was training somebody now, you know, it's not about winning the British title. It's when you win the British title, how we're going to get to the European title. Then what we're going to do to get to the world title. Then what we're going to do to to defend the world. And so you've you've got to program, you know, in, in, on a smaller scale in, in in daily life. You know, I think you've got to, it's good if you could train. You know, what am I going? How am I going to stay fresh today? How am I going to stay? How am I going to stay focused today? You know, how am I going to keep on the right track today? Um, and and that you know that's where professionals will come in very good at, at focusing, training people to to survive in the right way. Yeah, I, I do not disagree with that at all. The the basic psychological skills are effective no matter the size, whether it's a micro task or macro task. They're 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 fairly simple and effective to achieve, um, but take hard work and practice to make them habitual. And I think you're right. I, I remember sitting in on a, I went to, I was fortunate enough to go to the Paralympics with um, Team Ireland. One of my friends, he qualified for the games and I went um, went as his uh, support staff. Um, and we were, we went to the the, the beat up to the, the Olympics in um, Rio and their training camps. And they said, it, it's like the Olympics is like climbing Everest. And you pit, you, you work out how you're going to get up to the top in sport, but no one tells you how to come down the other side. And so you'll win your gold medal or whatever, or achieve what you set out to achieve. You get back and you hit a thump and it is that absolute low. Um, and they they did a lot of work on trying to roadmap the, the, the other side of that, that peak to go back up to another peak. And it's, and it's keeping, and, and it's managing expectations. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you do to you know? You said you 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 know you had a, a breakdown. Uh, what what do you do to try and avert that from happening again? What do you do to 
What do you do this week? Yeah, so I a random one that I didn't realise that I that I I, don't, I a random one that I do that I didn't think would help was I track my sleep. So I've not really ever had problems with sleeping, and and but before that, I did. But I track my sleep. So when I start becoming really tired, and not yeah. not just not, I think let me let me rephrase this. When I start becoming really fatigued, it's right. probably you know like attritional, you know, yeah. week after week. That's when like warning signs for me start start yeah. happening because then you don't you lose focus on how much you're actually taking on. Mm. And so it's not the sleep that will affect me. It's the, my ability to cope with the capacity that I've taken on, the volume. And lack of sleep doesn't allow me to cope with that volume, if that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Total sense. I know so, so, I, so I try and, I try and track that. Mm. Um, but I'm also much more self-aware. I'm much more self-aware. And one of the, one of the, one of the Padres actually at work, um, I remember speaking to him, and he said that he used to fill his diary every day, every day. You like, and, and, and he was like, you know, love being busy because he was out, you know, doing the pastoral care, greet, meeting and greeting people, everything that he, that he wanted to be a military um, padre, like loved it. His boss came to see him and said, um, like amazing management said, uh, let me have a look at your, look at your schedule. Cause apparently it had been ages for him to, his boss to plan a visit into him. Yeah. He showed him his diary. He said, it's too busy. He said, what do you mean? He said, put it this way. He said, what's your, what is your role here? He said, my role is to help and support and care for others, blah, blah, blah. He said, and what about you? He said, what, what do you mean about me? He said, well, if you don't look after yourself, and this is the self-care comment again, yeah. how can you then look after everyone else? Yeah. So he said, in future, what I want you to try and aim to do is have one thing in the morning and one thing in the afternoon that's booked in, by and large. Yeah. But by and large. So one thing in the morning, one thing in the evening. Around that, then that's up to you. That's your time to be flexible. So if someone walks in your door and says, oh, um, have you got a minute? You've got the time to give them because you're not being effective. Mm. Um, but you still get your deliverables done and it's about diary planning. So what I'm much better, much better at doing now is I used to squeeze everything in and then go, my God, I haven't got enough time to prep for everything. I haven't got enough time for this. And I'm bouncing from one, one thing to the next, literally phone down next one, phone down next one or meeting this. And it yeah. just wasn't working. So now what I'll do is I'll make sure that my diary planning is much better um, in conjunction with my sleep and just being more self-aware knowing when that temperature starts rising inside. Yeah. 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 See, I've never, I've never, I've never had that because, you know, when I was, when I was a fighter, obviously you've got a structured day and it's about, it's about exercising, um, you know, eating and sleeping and, and, you know, you've got, you've got some structure. Um, but I've never had, I've never had a job. So I've never had, you know, so I've, I've, you know, I say I've never had a job. Obviously I've worked, but I've never had a job. I've never had a timetable. So, you know, during my sky days, it would be, you know, Friday, you know, the weekend was taken up. That was, that was your work. And then, you know, during the week you do your family stuff and that sort of stuff. So you had a, you had a, a sort of, you had a, a bit of a schedule, but, you know, there's always been lots and lots of downtime. And, 
and that that's that's always you know when you've got too much time on your hands as well it's a problem you know as having too little time on your hands because then you just start you know then you give yourself too much time to think and then you start to doubt yourself and then you start uh, you know um a sense of purpose is absolutely pivotal for me without without doubt and if i don't have one i can quickly go wayward yeah well that that's that's me i i've i've had a purpose for the you know for the for eight weeks to ten weeks before the promoter got ill um me and my son trained every day he would he would train me you know he wasn't born when, when i won world title but he, he would he's trained me big six foot five and um you know big health healthy kid and and he he he, he you know he's, he's enjoyed it very much and i have but it's been for the first time in years and this is which was so good it was about me it was about you know me running and what sort of time i'd done running or what i'd done it's about me in the you know had i done that i managed my eight rounds and you know so it was about me and for the first time in in many many years that that really felt good. That really felt good that you were you were putting some time into yourself and you know your improvement physically and mentally. And then the minute that sort of got knocked off track, you know, and you're thinking, well, it's, it's not gonna happen. No, it's not gonna happen. You know, and I don't know, oh, please God, it still is gonna happen. But it just knocked you, it just knocked you knocked me off track and only you know the it's a funny it's a bit of a selfish reason why i wanted to happen because you know i wouldn't have i wouldn't have you know because of the business of boxing i wouldn't have even thought about it. you know i was done with 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 fighting and then and then when i saw the tyson jones fight it seemed like you know they did a good job and what i liked about it was you know tyson i know mike you know, i used to spoil them back in the day and and you know he's had it rough and been to some dark places and 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 he seems as you know that fight seems as if it got him in a good good shape and got him mentally in a good place. Um, and I thought, you know what, that, that that and I took something from that. I thought that 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 that'd be good. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have ever thought about it. So then when the opportunity kind of weirdly, it almost seemed like a blessing that Roy Jones called me out. Roy Jones Jr., you know, he's just fought my taste and then he's calling me out. And I'm thinking, this is it's it's felt like a blessing that it's for a reason. It's for a reason to help. It's for a reason to help me. It's for a reason to get me out of this, get me out of the, you know this the darkness. Get me, you know, pick me up. It's a reason to rescue me. It really felt. It really felt good. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm ten weeks of training. You know, we're training every day, and I'm feeling you know, and it's hurting like mad. You know, to go from I've never I've never done boxing training in twenty eight years, and to go from from there to getting in shape was you know I was at the physio three days a week. So it was really, really hard, but I, I was loving it. You know, I, I could I could quite happily just rest at night, you know, with my, my aches and pains and just think, you know, you're accomplishing something. You know, you're doing, you're, you're doing something. But then it, when it's been derailed now, it's kind of thought, you know, it's back to, it's, you know, then you meant, your, your head goes, oh, it's the, same, it's the same thing, you know, it's the same stuff, you know, another letdown, another... Another rug pulled from under you, you know. Another, another thing you've got to try and deal with. Another disappointment, um, and that's that's not me bad bit. But I think having having come through this, if it knocks me back, if it knocks me back, 
where it would not be back into a dark. It's not. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of coming in and you know, in and out. You know, and for the most part, I'm, I'm out. I'm feeling, I'm feeling fairly good about myself, and I'm feeling fairly energized, and I'm, you know, looking after myself. So, um, it, it, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely helped. And it would only, it would only be a one-off. You know what I mean? It would only be a one-off. But it also seemed like, you know, for the times when I didn't, I made no money in my career, and I had, you know, I had a good career. But, but you know, got ripped off terribly. You know, I, I I signed off the dole in the ring when I won the world title. You know, that that's how bad it was. It almost seemed like this would be payback. It would be an opportunity in the sport I love to get something to get a decent payday for what I missed out on. And it, so it all seemed like just a bit of payback. You know, um, which which was great. You know, I just thought, oh, finally something's working for me. So it's um. So you know, I've, I've got to try and keep positive and think. Um, you know, this this still could come off. You know, I grew up with with some some of these these fighters. What you know, watching them on the telly, and you know, to have them back in the ring again, it will bring some of the supporters back to their childhood as well. You know, so it's like it's a, it's like a win win for everybody. But well, I um, think it's inspirational, isn't it? You know, because these fighters, you know, we all have we all have tough times. We all have you know lives that are that are hard you're battle with with you know different different problems um well addictions or what you know it, it's there's a fallout of your of your youth and, and what's happening in your life that you struggle with as you get as you get older so to try and reinvent yourself you know even if it's just for one night you know i know for a fact if i can get you know another 10 weeks if i can you know get to where we were going to be in the training that'll that'll that that period of like six months training will serve me for the rest of my life at 56 you know, i'll just be able to keep topping up on on that that'll get me through so um mate i i, I don't know how you'd get back in the ring at that age like the fair play to you for even even thinking about it you know i've, I've only ever had a few amateur fights before and i remember feeling the way that i felt after you know we feel like you've been hit by a lorry i don't know how you do that but so if you do mate i take my hat off to you jesus do you know what? But it's it's like just getting in the ring and, and, and shadow boxing and getting on the pads and all that, and just just to, to be able to do it. And I retired. I retired long before I even got to a peak. So you know, I'm not a fight. I'm not someone that like got beat up. Uh, you know, the next you know ten years went on. I was forty. You know, I was finished before. You know, I was finished in my twenties. So when I get back, when I when I get in the ring, I'm still that. I've got no, there's no memory. There's no, I've got no memory of the bad times. You know, obviously there was a Lennox fight, but I was 26. You know, I mean, he was, you know, he's the same age as me. So, and he was Olympic champ and he's a heavyweight. So, so that's, so I've got no bad memories. I've got no, you know, I never got knocked out of me. I'm still, so when I go back and I get in the ring, I'm 27 again. It feels great. feels great. Yeah, fair, mate. Mate, what was it like working for Sky Sports? Yeah, I had 27 years. 27 years was, um, and you know, you go through different bosses at different periods, things change and this sort of stuff. And um, I, I managed to get through all them, all them periods. It was, um, it was wonderful because that, you know, for when I won the world title and, I, and you kind of, you know, fall down, you know, and you know, you know, people aren't looking after you. Um, then to get the opportunity to go into TV was was really you know was was 
magical for me. It was like a blessing. Um, and then to have, you know, and I, I, Ian Dark was picked up from Scar from BBC, and he was the one that, you know, said, I've talked to Glenn McCraw, he's just won the world title. He'd be, you know, be ideal to be my partner. Um, so we had, we had a, a fabulous, you know, 20 years together before it got changed. They changed around the, 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 the talent. Um, but some of the, you know, I mean, some of the fights, and this is, you know, when you think, you know, at some points we were in Vegas every two weeks, you know, I mean, literally flying off and it was first class. Dangerous that is, mate. First class, it was, um, it was, you know, it was absolutely, absolutely amazing. You know, and that went on for years and some of the biggest fights and some of the biggest names and, what fights spring to mind is like the highlights that you've you've commented on. Um, Marco Antonio Barrera against Eric Morales. You know we see them all, but the first fight, the first fight in, in um, February 17, two thousand, uh, on a Mexican holiday, and it was just me and Ian must have been the only, the only non non Hispanic people there at the time because you know nobody really nobody really knew Barrera Morales from the British press. You know they were they were just. To what amazing Mexican world my, da my dad was an avid boxing fan and he used to talk about Barrera all the time. It was so, so that was great. But, you know, I mean, people, people like, you know, Bo Holyfield, you know, fantastic fight in the, you know, the, the, the 10th round, one of the greatest rounds in heavyweight boxing. You know, I mean, you know, the whole of Lennox's career, the whole of Tyson's career, the whole De La Hoya's career. There was, um, it really was a, uh, I mean, I think every era is a great era if you're in it and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're enjoying it all. But there was just, you know, Ricky Hatton. There was just so many. There was so many. You know, when you're thinking week in, week out, we were doing, we were doing, you know, massive, massive world title fights. So it was, it was, it was a, a very, you know, great career. Um, yeah, no, no, I loved it. I, I loved it. It was, um, you know, and there's times, there's times, you know. Like everything, it, it it still work. You know, it's still a, you know, we still had. Yeah, it sounds it sounds great, but we still when you, they sent you to um, Las Vegas for five days. You know, they wanted to get as much as much as they possibly could out of you. You know, so we were still we were still work. But it, when you're dealing in the fight game around the the, the fights, it, it was magical. So yeah, amazing amazing memories. Mate, I've got one final question for you, which will be quite current. Looks like it's going to get signed off this week. Joshua Fury, which way do you go? Well, I mean, I hope it does get signed off this week. It would be great. I mean, because that would be such an inspiration for, for, the, for the public, you know, the British public to think, you know, we've got the two best heavyweights in the world for the heavyweight. I mean, that, that's monumental, a monumental point of British boxing history. Um, and, you know, if we can get in Wembley with a maximum crowd and all the rest of it, it will be just one for the ages. Um, I think, you know, it's a good fight. I respect both of them. They're, they're both um, terrific competitors and terrific fighters. At the moment, I just think he's gone from, Tyson Fury's gone from strength to strength. And, you know, just to put them mentally where Joshua's got the loss to Ruiz, which is pretty much his only sort of blemish. Um, you know, he won the the return um, in fine style, but he was very negative. And, you know, 
for somebody that you know Ruiz he, sh- he should have demolished them. Um, Fury, you know, has just gone out. What he did, what he did in in, in February was was amazing. Um, so I think mentally and boxing so much, you're fighting so much about your mental strength. I think what he's accomplished, and you 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 talked about it earlier on, what he's accomplished outside of the ring, what he's accomplished in his personal in his personal development is magical. So I, I just think um, Tyson Fury has has definitely got the got the edge. But it's one of those fights. It's one of those fights where you could you could definitely see controversy. You could definitely see a close fight. And you know it's one of those fights that we might we might and also when fights are worth an awful lot of money, you know, they seem to happen more than once. So I, I think we could have we could have a a, a little run of, of of heavyweight fights with between the two of them. The romance of of the story, my my heart says Tyson Fury. Yeah. But the thing inside inside my head is Joshua is an animal. And if he gets half a chance, I can't see anyone surviving him. Um, I, I, genu- I genuinely can't. I can't see anyone taking taking Joshua's shots. And um, I well, think Tyson Fury could take Deontay Wilder's shots, who's a far bigger hitter than Joshua. Do you think so? Do you? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Wilder, Wilder is Wilder is the complete danger man in in the division. And what Tyson did. You know, when you saw him get up from the, I was, I was both fights. I was, I was there, um, ringside, and when he got up in the first fight, that was that was almost miraculous. incredible, wasn't it? That was almost miraculous. Yes, you know, there was a lot of things worked in his favor. A lot of referees, lesser referees, would have just waved it off. Because when he hit the, the deck, because me sitting ringside, I thought that was I was just, you know, I'm friends with Tyson. I was just thinking, please God, he's okay. Please God, he's okay. It looked like a real career-ending knock, knockout, and and yet he got up and he. he went it was up. almost like he was destined for greater things. That yeah. that that night was not his night to go down at yeah. all. Do you know what I said? This do you know when you you've been around characters a long time, and I've been in the game uh, a long time, and you know I, I, I had the, the the great benefit of meeting Muhammad Ali. You know he asked to meet me a long time ago when I when I boxed in front of him. Um, and you've seen so many characters and you've seen their highs and their lows. Um, and you see Tyson, I said, and I got I got ridiculed. I got ridiculed. It was one of the things that you know, I speak my mind whenever, you know, I'm, I'm whenever I'm asked. And they said, um, what do you think? I said, Tyson Fury is an enigma, an enigma. You know, and I know him personally, and he thinks outside the box, you know, he thinks, you know. The rationale he changes it up on its up, up on end, and I said in the future, without doubt, Tyson Fury will be thought alongside this in the same in the same sort of um, height, in the same sort of greatness as Muhammad Ali. And everybody's like ah, and it's only now, it's only now after the things he's done that people are already starting to say, you know. He's going to be a great. You know, he's not just going to be. He's going, he's going to be one of the greats. I think. He, do you know? Um, I think he's won so many people over as well. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, when he's trying to make a name for himself, 
you know, when he's turning up to the Klitschko fight in a Batman Batman outfit and stuff. The who he is now is a much much better person to to the way he speaks about. He's always thoughtless of his family, but the way that he, he speaks about his family and what he holds dear to, like the earthy things that he, he holds dear to his heart, you didn't really see that before. You saw this sort of like bravado and charade and stuff, but now it's just him, and he is come is is a is a like comes across as a genuinely decent bloke, whereas he didn't really do that before. And I think he's won so many more people over now because they he was very marmite, I think, when he came on the scene. Yeah. Because you either liked him, he didn't. But now you can't not like him because he's just a decent bloke that well, loves his family so much. He's also, you know, you've seen him lay his soul bare, and you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you know, I think one of the things that you like is his honesty. Mm. You know, his honesty, you know, when he say, you know, I've, I've failed in lots of things, but I tried and I keep trying. And, 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 and you know, that, that, that resonates itself with all of us. You know, you know I've, I've failed and messed up and, you know, made, made mistakes. And, you know, you look back and you think. Oh. But, you know, you know, it's interesting to go back to what we loosely discussed about having a team around you um, and my, my mate Baz saying that it's not like, you know, when we said about winning and I said, it, you know, it's more about, for me, about having your the people around you to achieve the win. And yeah. he said, boxing is not necessarily like that. I wonder whether Tyson, if he was around anyone else but his team who is his family, whether yeah. that would have been the comeback that he, you know, were there variables as such having his social support network, who was his, his training camp? Yeah. Able, you know, able to make that happen. So it's interesting when you start looking a little bit, you know, and only he will know that. Well, that, that's important, you know, that you, in boxing, it, it's very much a lonely, it's very much a lonely game. So, you know, but he has got a good, a good family around him. And, you know, they're, 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 they're sharp. You know, in my life, you know, my problems have been a bit because I've never had, I, you know, all through my life, I've never had, you know, I never had a manager that, looked after me I never had you know a coach you know that was that was top line coach that you know knew knew the game you know I took my I took because I didn't have anybody I took my assistant amateur coach who worked you know great and just tried tried his best but didn't have any idea at the professional level or anything like that so I didn't have my mom and dad or you know a lovely you know religious you know just just very simple simple um and so they ne never they couldn't give me any advice so in my life I've, I've only learned and I've never had that you know still I've never had any so in my life my problem has been I learn by my mistakes you know and often I don't learn by them I just do them again but it's it's you kind of just go from you know and that's what it's been like you know just you just you know you get to somewhere you fail you know, and you try and pick yourself up and, and do it another way. And that's been my, my whole, my boxing career was the same. My life's the same. So um, in, in the military, you do have, you know, the good thing is you do have people, you know, and that's why I like, you know, I love coming down, you know, I love coming down um, to Limston, you know, and, and working with the boys and all that, because, you know, it's good. You don't have to make decisions. They tell you what time you need to be up. They tell you where, you know, where, you know, I, I all my whole life it's it's all just on me what I do if I'm going to run and what time I get up. But there they tell you you know where your bed is, 
<laughs> what you wear, what time you get up, where you go for dinner, you know. <laughs> it's interesting because the lads down here, they get tired of that. So uh, they'd rather make that decision themselves. So grass yeah. always greener, eh? But, you know, it's, it is. I mean, that, that's a big thing. The grass is always green. And I think we all have our our, our stuff to, to deal with. But um, it's 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 nice. So I'm, I'm, I love my association with the, with the Royal Marines. I've got, got my... Still going, my things are all. Uh, oh, nice! Yeah, time. Good, good, good drop of port there, mate. <laughs> Unfortunately, the bottle inside's empty. <laughs> <laughs> it just, but, you just couldn't I, resist it. I didn't think that. I, didn't, I don't think that lasted the weekend. I was done. I was done. <laughs> oh, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's different level. That is port. You got to be. We we nickname it the body snatcher. Right, because you can have a, you can have a few ports, and the next thing you know, you're on your backside. It's um, it's, it's strong stuff, eh? But, but mate, um, I really value your time, and thank you very much for uh, the insights you've given us. And I, I hope that the, the the script turns into a movie at some point in the, in the near future. And I, I'm very keen to see how this um, potential fight turns out as well. It's um, it's something that's going to be exciting to watch. Hopefully, it goes ahead. And mate, let us know if you're ever down in the in the area, and we'll, we'll meet up. I'll get Tommy out as well. well be great, great to meet you, mate. Yeah. I mean, things are starting to open up now, so hopefully we'll be we'll be we'll be back in back in business soon, and um, and I'll be down there. And if, if anything anything that you need down there, you know, if you ever need me to pop in, um, I'm, I'm always there. Top man, thanks very much, mate. No worries, pal. You take care. Look after yourself. And um, if you ever need anybody to talk to more, give, give us a shout. Will do. All right, buddy. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast channel for updates on new releases. And why not leave a review on your podcast provider and follow us on Instagram on the at Can't Can Will page to show your support. Thanks, legends.